Good morning, Orangewood. We're so thankful that you have joined us this morning to worship our great God. Another special welcome this morning to one of our international partner families, Scott and Christine. Um, I see Joseph and Nathan there with you. If y'all would just stand there real quickly. They come from the Middle East where they serve. It's so good to have you here with us for a few days. You know that one of our values is neighbors near and far. And this family partners in making the neighbors far a reality for us. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. As we start, let me take a moment also, as I've been asked this morning a number of times, um, a moment for Rita and me to extend our heartfelt thanks to you as Rita has been for the last 10 months in operations and in treatment for ovarian cancer. Um, she recently had a CAT scan following all of these treatments and the doctors have told us that there is no cancer. So, so, thank you so much for rejoicing with us in this. Thank you for your prayers, for your acts of kindness which have been many demonstrated to us in so many ways over these past months. You have blessed us, and you truly have been a comfort to us as you've shown your love. In fact, today we are speaking about being comforted. So let's get started. As we continue looking at this familiar passage in Scripture, it's one that has great beauty and truth, perhaps more than we've ever even imagined. Our hope and our desire has been that each of us would, over the course of this summer, experience comfort as we ponder Psalm 23, phrase by phrase. Mark pointed out at the beginning of the series that this is Hebrew poetry. Now, I am not a po poet, and whenever I read poetry, especially the rhyming sing-songy type, I cannot help but recall my freshman English class. My professor in this huge class, out of the blue, and certainly to my horror, said, Mr. Creech, would you please stand and read this poem? I replied, um, sir, I am really not into poetry, and I do not know how to read it. He said, Mr. Creech, please read the poem. I did. And then the professor responded, Mr. Creech, next time I'll take your advice. <laughs> So, well, I have some advice for you this morning. Not my own. It comes from a very much higher authority. This morning I take joy and delight in Psalm 23, this beautiful, powerful, and personal psalm. In fact, here in verse 4, it makes a change from the Lord and He. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads. He restores to speaking now in the first person, I walk, I fear no evil. So out of respect for God's word, I invite you once again to stand and to read with me or to say it if you're memorizing it. Make it personal. Make it your own as we see God's word for us this morning. Read with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us pray together. Our Father, our Good Shepherd, we come this morning acknowledging that life is hard so, so often. Some of us this morning really do find ourselves in dark valleys. By your Spirit, come and comfort us, lead us, protect us, even if it is from ourselves. Father, give us ears to hear for your glory and our good. Amen. This morning, we are looking at a very interesting phrase in this passage. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, what in the world is that about? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. First, let's go back and see the context. Our first point, life is full of dark valleys. Tyler and Mark have led us through the green pastures and the still waters and the paths of righteousness. They have faithfully turned our minds to the fulfillment of these thoughts in the Lord Jesus as the green pastures have become life-giving pastures in Jesus. The still waters have become living waters in Jesus and the paths of righteousness have become the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus. Last week, Chuck started verse 4, which takes a darker tone, touching on the reality of living life in this fallen world. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This valley, the shadow of death, some have called it the darkest Valley. A valley suggests being surrounded by, in case of a shadow, is casting something dark and fearful into our lives and into our minds. Where are you today? The truth is that many feel as if they are walking in dark valleys. Some feel as if you have walked for a very long time in the shadow of death, perhaps of a loved one, or you are facing the death of someone, or maybe even your own death. Or perhaps it is just a dark valley that seems to have you boxed in and no way out of the difficulty and stress. You don't know which way to turn this morning. Each time there's a ray of light, the next shadow falls and you are set back once again. Each of us faces dark valleys. It may be in our careers or our health, our finances. It may be in the loneliness we experience or perhaps in our relationships, which can be one of the darkest valleys we go through. And the list can continue. I remember very well 20 plus years ago, lying in the hospital contemplating death as I was awaiting heart surgery the next day. There were profoundly deep thoughts and also lighter ones also. In fact, it was lying there pondering family and issues that my kids finally got what they wanted. I was thinking, I am going to die. And my kids, who were pretty young at the time, are going to say, Dad was always such a grump that he never would let us have a dog. 
Well, when I survived, I got them a dog, the devil dog. <laughs> that little dachshund, protecting Rita, biting new visitors into the home, eating our furniture and our carpets, going to the doctor more than I went. Well, um, they got the dog. I will say, however, and this is for Mark, that I was never so pensive that I even considered getting the kids a cat. <laughs> All this to say that for me it really was a dark valley in that hospital room, and each of us has lived through many dark valleys in our lives, some experiencing it right now. Chuck last week turned our attention to the shepherd. The great shepherd Jesus who promises to never leave us. The writer David pins it this way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This morning, whatever you are facing, do you know that the Lord, the good shepherd, is with you? Do you know that in the depths of your being. For some, the dark valley, which can last for a long time, is the doubt you experience as you long for and so desire to rest in knowing the truth that God is with you. What you know in your head does not seem to be getting to your heart, and that is your greatest longing to know that God really is with you. In contrast to this, there was a pop song out years ago that was very catchy, and yet it had a very different message. Bette Midler sings these words, From a distance the world looks green, blue and green, and the snow-capped mountains white. From a distance the ocean meets the stream and the eagle takes to flight. From a distance there is harmony and it echoes through the land. It is the voice of hope. It is the voice of peace. It is the voice of every man. God is watching, she's saying. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Well, this captures much of the thought of our culture. If there is a God, He is out there somewhere, either uninterested, unable to intervene in the dealings of man, or simply unwilling to get involved. He only watches, and that from a distance. If the psalm writer were to hear Midler's song, he would not recognize the God being spoken of. For he says, yes, God is watching us, but he says it this way, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He does not watch from a distance. He is present, and he cares, and he intervenes. This psalm speaks of the God who is there, as Schaefer would say, and he is not silent. As we will see, our second point, God is with us in the dark valleys. In answering the question, how is God with us? This is where our passage this morning comes vividly and powerfully and personally into our reality. How is God with us? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do what? This may be the least understood and most unappreciated part of this psalm. It is not that these two things, rod and staff, comfort us, 
in themselves. Yet what they represent does comfort us. And who holds them comforts us. To understand these, we have to go back once again to sheep and shepherds. They lived and they traveled in often desolate and rugged and dangerous places as they would look for the next green pastures. The shepherds would carry two instruments which made his presence all the more a reality for the sheep. The rod and the staff provided both a defense and a control the shepherds used for the sheep. Remember, the psalm is now dealing with not pastures and waters, but with the dark valley. Kidner points out that the shepherd is no longer out front leading, but he is alongside to guide and to protect. In doing so, the shepherd is armed with two things, with rod and with staff. Rod and staff. We haven't known so often that there are two things. We think of a rod as a stick. Well, a rod is really a club, and I'll come back to that in just a minute. But first, let's talk about the staff. Many pictures we see the shepherd have this staff with them. It certainly could be used as a strong walking stick for support and balance that the shepherd would have out in the fields. But it is also an instrument for guiding the sheep, for prodding them in the right direction. The hook end here was often used to grab a fallen sheep and to help it up. It would be grabbed around the neck. It's got a lot of um, stuff there, but there's not much to the neck itself. And so it would, could be hooked around the neck or around the leg and could be helped up. There was the danger of a flash flood in the canyons of the Negev that Chuck mentioned last week. And a fallen sheep could be assisted by this staff um, being hooked in the running water and pulled to safety. Sheep are probably not as dumb as we make them sound, but they are somewhat helpless and absolutely dependent. For instance, they will eat most anything in front of them, even if it might harm them. And with the staff, the sheep could pull that shepherd to himself out of danger and would be kept very close to the shepherd there. The staff was also an instrument of control, of directing, and of discipline. Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, says this as he develops the whole idea of the uniqueness of the shepherd's staff. In a sense, the staff, more than any other item of his personal equipment, identifies the shepherd as a shepherd. No one in any other profession carries a shepherd's staff. It is uniquely an instrument used for the care and management of sheep and only sheep. It will not do for cattle, horses, or hogs. It is designed, shaped, and adapted especially to the needs of sheep. The shepherd with the staff would guide the sheep and is a symbol of the Lord's guiding us as his sheep who have gone astray. Matthew 18 is one of the most beautiful passages as the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and seek the one lost sheep. The lost sheep is every one of us. 
We have wandered away. We have gone our own way. And God the shepherd pursues us and reaches down and prods and directs and even hooks us and draws us to himself. Some of us today are wandering around. Perhaps no one else knows it, but you do. And if you are that one today, let me just say that God will not leave you. He is going to pursue you. You can try your best to run away, but if you are his sheep, he is going to pursue and secure you. Well, let's talk for a minute about the rod. The rod was shaped out of the strongest wood that the shepherds could find, and it is used really as a weapon in the hand of a skilled shepherd. Today we might call it a club. And this rod had a very specific use. With the rod, the shepherd could fight off wild animals who would seek to devour the helpless sheep. Shepherds were not docile, wimpy men. They were tough. In fact, David, the author of this psalm, told the following story to King Saul in 1 Samuel 17. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. David used the rod to beat off the intruders and defend and protect his flock. Well, what about us today? What about the good shepherd? Is there a rod or a staff that he uses to defend and protect and comfort us? There certainly are times that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has been with us, leading us and protecting us. But my guess is that we have no idea how often God has watched over and guided and protected and rescued us. In and through the dark valleys, God desires to comfort us. And that's our final point today. God comforts us in the dark valleys. What does it mean to be comforted? It is not being removed from the valley. We know that. It is finding a peace and a rest as you go through the valley. Johnny Erickson Tyler, an amazing lady about my age, a quadriplegic who was injured in a diving accident in her teens, said this, You don't have to be alone in your hurt. Comfort is yours. Joy is an option. And it's all been made possible by your Savior. He went without comfort so that you might have it. He postponed joy so you might share in it. He willingly chose isolation so that you might never be alone in your hurt and sorrow. The sheep would find great comfort in the shepherd and his using his tools to direct and discipline and to protect. Sheep were comforted simply by the sight of the shepherd and his rod and staff. Well, what about us? We are so independent. We do not like outside control or being directed or disciplined or corrected in any way. But in fact, just like sheep need it, so do we. 
as much as we fight against these things, we need them. Does anyone protect you or guide you or defend you or fight for you? Whatever valley you may be experiencing today, whatever aloneness you are walking in right now, God wants to comfort you. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, He is the God of all comfort. Let me mention three ways in which God comforts you. God uses a number of things to protect and guide us that serve as staff and rod. And they do comfort us. First, God comforts us by His presence. Isaiah 51, I, even I, am He who comforts you. And then 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Janet Stewart said, Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. We could say comfort is not the absence of the dark valley, but the presence of God in it. Do you know and feel His presence? Next, God comforts us by His Word. Psalm 119, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your Word has revived me. God, the great shepherd of the sheep, uses His Word to lead and guide and protect us. He puts us back on the right path as we obey His Word and our hearts are refreshed by the truth. The questions for us, are we in His Word? When He does prod us with His staff or defends us with His rod or when He may even more forcefully knock us over the head with His rod, do we follow? And do we find comfort? Do we stubbornly ignore and go our own way, staying even longer in the dark valley? Lastly, God comforts us by His people. God uses those in our past to love and to comfort us, to speak a word of encouragement, and sometimes just to be there. Paul said, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. God uses us as we have been comforted in Him to comfort each other. We say all the time that we've been blessed to be a blessing. Well, we are also comforted to be able to comfort others. In the valley, there is the tendency to withdraw from people. Sheep were not meant to live alone, and neither are we. Let me encourage you to reach out to each other. Don't wait if you see one in need. Don't miss His presence. Don't miss His Word or His people. Each of these brings comfort to us in our valleys. Well, how do you know when you have been comforted? If you're finding yourself more cynical and bitter and jealous becoming more and more angry, isolating, and avoiding others. The life event, the dark valley may be winning, and the enemy may be laughing. You know that you have been comforted 
when you are responding with a growing sense of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Going through the valley and being comforted may be a slow, progressive growing in the love, joy, peace. I'm not saying that you are going to be full of those things through every valley and at every point. In fact, some valleys have very extended periods of grief and confusion and doubt and feeling utterly alone. But when you know that God is with you, you begin to rest in Him. And in fact, grief and a measure of peace can coexist. We will never know the why of some valleys. Some of you in the valleys have found and will find that even in the darkest of valleys that you have experienced a profound and unexpected blessing and comfort as you are comforted by His presence, by His Word, and by His people. That has been the case for me in numerous times in dark valleys. A key at that time is to remember as life moves on and you have experienced comfort, to remember and not forget that comfort of the Lord. It is not only the rod and the staff that are being used to guide and defend the sheep and us. We have Jesus who walked the darkest valley anyone has ever walked. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, because of the dark valley he walked, gives comfort and rest and hope. This morning, is there a valley in your life? What is that dark valley? Can you name it? Is there comfort? You have a God mighty to save, mighty to protect and defend. Well, since you know how much I love poetry, I will close reading a poem. It was written by a 17-year-old who was not known for his poetry. He had just found out that his mother, nearly 25 years ago, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and her mother had died of the same at a relatively young age. And the dark valley was immediate and real. Our eldest son, Joseph, penned this for his mother and for me and perhaps now for you. When you're feeling down, nothing going right, keep your feet on the ground and keep God in sight. When you're feeling depressed, losing strength and might, think your life's in a mess, just keep God in sight. Then things will start to look up. You begin to take flight. You have inner peace because you kept God in sight. Then one day when you reach the gate, you will have no more fright because you kept your priorities straight and kept God in sight. In deep love for you, I exhort all of us to get our eyes off of the dark valley and perhaps off of ourselves. Our role as the sheep is to follow, to keep our eyes fixed on the shepherd, to keep God in sight. He is our source of life and joy and peace and comfort. Beloved friends, 
you have a shepherd who is closer than you could ever imagine or dream or long for. God is with you, not simply watching from a distance. He is present. And shepherds through every dark valley you encounter. The promise is not to take you out of the valley, but to be with you through the valley. He's actively protecting, defending, and guiding you. Take comfort. Rest in that. Keep your eyes on the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd. Jesus changes everything. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Good Shepherd, we come before you humbly to give thanks for who you are and the role that you have in our lives. You defend and protect and guide us. Absolutely no one can snatch us from your hand. Help us to keep our eyes firmly fixed on the great Good Shepherd and off of ourselves. Let us rest in and be comforted by your continued work in our lives as you have promised to continue that good work until you come again. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.